Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to one verse this morning. It's found in John chapter 3 and verse number 16. John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It's perhaps the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Maybe the most well-known verse of Scripture in our world today. And yet many people have never really stopped to consider the truths that are communicated in this verse. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that verse of scripture, we find the true meaning for what the Christmas season is all about. I think you have these notes in an outline there. And I want you to follow along with us. Write some of these, these notes down. Because I want you to think of them as we go throughout this week. With, with all of the last minute shopping that we still have to do. I know some of you are waiting. Last minute shoppers. With all of the parties we've got to get to. All of the things that are necessary in order for this week. Let us not forget the true meaning of Christmas. A Christmas is a time for loving. That's what this verse teaches us. Look at the verse. For God so loved the world. And did you know this? That the message of Christmas is a message of love. That God loved you. And God loved you individually. God loves all the world, sure, but God loves you individually. The word loved there is an interesting word because it's a word that is used several times when it speaks of divine love. In, in the Greek, it's actually agape. It's, it's not just love like I love tacos, or I don't love fruitcake. It's divine love. It, it, it's more than simply a, a love for. It, it speaks of the kind of love that God loves us with. You say, well, pastor, what kind of love does God love me with? And God loves you with a sacrificial love. That's why he gave his only begotten son. God loves you with a selfless love, which means that when God loves you, he isn't loving you for something he can get out of you. He loves you for who you are individually, a person created in his own image for his own glory. You know, God made you exactly the way he wanted you to be made. And God didn't make you like anybody else. He made you exactly how he wanted you to be. And he loves you. 
He loves you because he made you in this way. Aren't you glad you don't look like me? I'm glad I don't look like you. We live in a world where we're always constantly told that we have to compare ourselves among ourselves, that somebody's got something more or somebody, somebody's got something better or we should always want this from them or we should always want that from them. No, we should understand that we are uniquely and individually made in the image of God Almighty. You want to know what God looks like? You want to know what God is like? Look around the room. Look around the room. We're made in the image of God. And God loves us sacrificially and God loves us selflessly. God loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally. Which means there is nothing you can do in order to buy more of God's love for you. And there is nothing you can do that would cause God to somehow love you less. God's love for you is unconditional in this way. You know, there is nobody in this world that loves you like God loves you. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says it like this, but God commended that, that word commended means demonstrated. It, it means he showed. He showcased his love. God commended his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were sinning, Christ died for us. That God loved you with a sacrificial, selfless, saving, unconditional love. And did you know that it is God's love that enables us to be loved by God? You would not have been able to be loved by God if it were not for the love of God. It's God's love that reaches down in his grace. It's God's love that reaches down in his mercy. And it is God's love that loves us in spite of our sin. John said it this way later on in a letter he wrote to the churches. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 9. John says, in this was manifest the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. You see many people think that they have to become lovely in order to get God to love them. And so they try to clean up their life. They, they try to polish up all these things. They try to be religious and they try to be helpful and they try to be moral and they try to be kind to their neighbor and they try to give money to the poor. And they do all of these things in an attempt to get God to love them. And I will tell you this, every other religion in the world says this is how you get God to love you. You get God to love you by doing all of these good things. But Christianity and Christianity alone says, oh, no, 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 no. All of your good works, they are as filthy rags. All of your righteousness is tainted by sin. Yeah. 
No, no, no. God loves you. And we respond to that love by loving God in return. But we do not love him first. He first loved us. You see, friend, you don't have to clean up your life in order to get God to love you. God loves you exactly how you are this morning. God knows everything there is to know about you. And God loves you. And it is the love of God that enables us to be loved by God. You say, well, pastor, what is the love of God? The love of God is seen in that God sent his son into this world. That Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus died a vicarious death. That is, he died in our place. And Jesus, they took him off the cross, they laid him in a grave. And then three days later, the Bible says that Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. And Jesus didn't stay dead, he got up, he rose from the dead. And this shows us that God loves us. If I could summarize the sermon, I would summarize it in this way. Listen, friend, God loves you. And just as you are. But God loves you that he will not leave you where you are. God loves you just as you are. But God loves you. And he will not leave you where you are. It's God's love that enables us to be loved by God. But second, it is God's love that enables us to love God. And Jesus was asked one day what the greatest thing that we could do is. And Jesus responded this way, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You should love God in this way. With all that you are, with all that you have, with all that you hope to be. That you will love God with all of that. And it is God's love toward us that enables us to respond to God's love with love for God. In fact, the more that you know of God, the more you know of the love of God the more unconditional you are, or, or, or the more aware you are of the unconditional nature of God's love, the sacrificial nature of God's love, the power of God's love, the selfless demonstration of God's love, the more aware you are of God's love, you respond to that with love for God. Perhaps one of the reasons why you are not loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength is because you have not taken time to truly think of the depth, the unsearchable depth of God's love for you. Try to get to the bottom of God's love and you never will. Try to run out God's love and you can't. Try to exhaust God's love and you will fail in an attempt to. God loves you with an everlasting love. And to the degree that you are aware of God's everlasting love for you, you are enabled to love him in return. It's God's love that enables us to love him. But third, it is God's love 
that enables us to love others. How many of you learned this, that people are harder to love than God? There are just some difficult people in the world. Can I get an amen on that one? Maybe you're sitting by one. Don't amen if you are. Just nod your head like that at them. But once we know that we're loved by God, and once we love God in return, can I tell you this? You'll love what God loves. And what does God love? God loves us. Do you see? Once you know you are loved by God, and when you love God in return, then you love what God loves. And God loves us. In fact, if we don't love other Christians, John says, then we're bearing witness that we are in fact not Christian at all. Now Jesus on John chapter 13, this is the night before Jesus would go to be crucified. They ask Jesus, what's the greatest thing we can do? Jesus says, love God. And Jesus says, that's the first commandment, but this is the second the second commandment is that you would love one another. On these two things, loving God and loving others, on these two things hang all of the law and all of the prophets. That's a way of saying this, love God and love others. This is how you really come to know God's word. If you do not love God and if you are not loving others, then you cannot truly know God's word. You see, it is God's love that enables us to be loved by God. It is God's love that enables us to love God. And it is God's love that enables us to love others. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Do you see? You see? If we love other people, if we love brothers and sisters in Christ, then it is a testimony, it is a witness, it's an indicator, it's a sign that we in fact love God. Christmas is a time for loving, for God so loved. But Christmas is a time for giving for God so loved that he gave, the Bible says. He gave, and what did he give us? Well, he didn't give us fruitcake, I can tell you that. He gave us his only begotten son, that's what he gave us. He gave us his one-of-a-kind son. There's nobody like Jesus. He's the only begotten son of God. He did not become God. He was, he is, and he will always be God. Do you understand? There are some that teach, well, Jesus came into this earth and he was just a normal man and then he grew into God. No, he did not. He always was God. When he came to this earth, he still was God. 
He laid his life down of himself. No man took it from him, which is why he could pick it back up three days later. Jesus has never ceased to be God. He's the only begotten son of God. And when God sent his son into the world, he gave us the greatest gift of them all. God gave us his very best because God gave us his own self, the eternal son of God. He has never not existed. That's too negative. So put your English thinking cap on. Two negatives equal the positive. He has never not existed, and he has always existed. He's the very Son of God. He's the Son of God who was born of a virgin, which means that there was no sin in him. He was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. You know the difference, one of the differences between you and Jesus is that you and I have sinned, and Jesus never sinned. Never one time. He's the humble, serving Son of God. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He's the atoning, sacrificial Son of God. He went to the cross. He died in our place. There on the cross, he cried out to God, it is finished. It's paid. It's full. I've done what I came to do. And then they laid him in a grave. And the Bible says that three days later, Later, he rose victoriously from the grave. He's the living son of God. The Bible says that Jesus ascended, he exalted up into heaven, and there he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. You want to know where Jesus is today? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that Jesus is ever making intercession for us. That is a very interesting idea, but here's what it means. It means that Jesus and God are having a conversation right now. And you know who they're talking about? They're talking about you. They're talking about you. But make note, friend. Jesus is a heaven-preparing son of God. One day, very soon, I believe very soon, Jesus is coming back to take us to be where he is. You think you've got a nice house now? Just wait till you see the house that Jesus built for you. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. God gave us his best. If God has given to us his best, shouldn't we give our best to God in return? Do you give God your best? Do you give God your best time or do you give God your spare time? You give God your best time or do you give God your spare time? Do you give God your best resources or do you give God 
your leftovers. You give God your best resources or do you give God your leftovers? I know a lot of people, they simply give God what's left. We should give to God what's best. We should give our best to God, but we should, second, we should give our best to others. We should give our best to others. Husbands, do you give your best to your wife? Or do you give your best to the office? And your wife gets what's left. Wives, do you give your best to your husbands? Or do you give, your, you give what's best to the office or to your children? You, you, you give your husband what's left. Parents, do you give what's best to your children? Children, do you give what's best to your parents? Christians, do you give what's your best to others? Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says, Whatsoever thine hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. And Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Do we believe that? Do we believe it's better to be the one who is giving? And are we giving our best? Christmas is a time for loving. Christmas is a time for giving. Christmas is a time, third, for believing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Aren't you glad that you're a whosoever? You see, friend, in order to be saved, you have to believe in God for salvation. You, you cannot be saved. That's what the verse is saying. You cannot be saved if you do not believe so you must believe for salvation. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're singing praises to God. An earthquake happens. A lot of the prisoners escape. The jailer thinks he's going to lose his head because he's lost the prisoners. And Paul and Silas say, hey, no, no, don't, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all still here. Nobody left. We said, don't, don't do this. We're all still here. Nobody left. The jailer is so moved by this. He says to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? So he's obviously, he heard what they were singing and testifying about. And it's, he's thinking deep on these things now. And he says, what must I do to have what you have? Paul and Silas respond, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You see, friend, it is that easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you believed savingly on the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus loves you, but he doesn't love your sin. He loves you even though you are a sinner. And you are a sinner, you know this, right? You are, I am, every person is. 
The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the penalty for sin is death and separation from God for all of eternity. That, that, that if you do not believe on the Lord Jesus and you die in your sin, then you will be separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. You'll be separated from God for all of eternity in hell. And God does not want you to go to hell. In fact, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And so God provided a way of salvation for us. But you need to know this. There is only one way of salvation. And that one way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father, Jesus says, but by me. I am the way. I am the truth, Jesus says. I am the life, Jesus says. I am the door, Jesus says. You cannot get to God any other way except through Jesus Christ. Your good works won't get you into heaven. Your right living won't get you into heaven. Your, your helping the poor won't get you into heaven. God does not need your good works. And God does not need your helping the poor. God simply asks for you to believe in his greatest gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. Would you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm asking you right now, would you believe in Christ today? Would you call on the name of the Lord Jesus today, right now? Even before this sermon is over, would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? In fact, right now, before we even get to the end of the sermon, would you, would you simply bow your head right where you are? If you are here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I want to be saved I realize today that I am a sinner. I realize that I am separated from God because of my sin. And this morning, right now, right where I sit, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart. If you are, if you are here this morning, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you just slip your hand up? Just be respectful to the people around you. Slip your hand up all around the room. All around the room. If your hand is raised, or perhaps maybe you should, it should be. Would you say this in your heart to the Lord right now? Hey, dear God, I understand I am a sinner. I realize today that you loved me in spite of my sin. I realize today that you sent your son as an expression of love and grace. And so this Christmas, with as much as I know how, I open up my heart. I open up my life to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. I accept you as my Savior. Amen. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here, right where you are. You say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer just now when you led me in it. Let me see. Slip your hand up. Slip it up, slip it up, slip it up all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Who else? Say, Pastor, I prayed that when you prayed that. God bless you. Who else? Friend, that's the greatest gift you could ever receive the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins from God, your Savior. 
If you're here and you accepted Christ as your Savior, can I tell you this right where you are? God came into your heart and God saved you from your sin. That's the gift. This is not some hocus pocus. This is believe the word of God. And God says, I've loved you. I sent my son for you. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept him as your own. And this morning, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I have great news. God is good for his word. God forgave you of your sin. God brought you into your family. And God saved you to himself. How about a round of applause for all those who accepted Christ as their Savior this morning? But friend, you must not simply believe for salvation. You must also believe after salvation. Believing after salvation is what we would understand as walking by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it is impossible to please God. You want to please God? I'll tell you how you must please God. You must please God by faith. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. And so you must live your life by faith. You must have faith in God not only to believe God for salvation. You must have faith now in order to walk in the salvation that God has given to you. I don't know about you, but I don't like walking by faith. I like to have it all mapped out. I like to have it all planned out, don't you? I sat down with Amanda a few weeks ago. We started mapping out some goals for 2022. We've got a lot of things we want to accomplish in our individual relationship. We've got a lot of things we want to accomplish with our family. We've got some things we want, to, we want to hit. We have some goals we want to make. I like to have a plan. How many of you like to have a plan, right? Some of you don't like to have a plan. You better not raise your hand. Some of you, you just fly by the seat of your pants, right? I feel like doing this today, so I'm just going to go do it, right? Man, we like to have a plan, but listen... God says that we please him. We please him how? When we walk by faith. I will tell you this, friend. I do not know what comes your way in 2022, but I can tell you this. Something will come your way. It's not according to plan. Something with your health will come your way. It's not according to plan. Something in your family is going to come your way. It's not according to plan. Something with your job or your career, it's going to come your way. It's not according to plan. Something in the economy is coming your way. It's not according to plan, I promise. At least not your plan. Something's going to come your way. It's not according to plan. And you know what's necessary at that moment? Listen. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. God does not demand from you success. God does not demand from you awesomeness. God does not demand from you any of these things. God demands from you and me faith. Well done, my good and successful servant. That's not what God says to us when we see him. Well done, my good and awesome servant. No, that's not what he says to us when we see him. Well done, good and faithful servant. And God wants from you faith. God expects from you faith. We must believe God not only for salvation, but we must believe God after salvation. We must believe God after salvation. That once we are saved, we must continue to walk by faith. You say, Pastor, I want to walk by faith. How can I do that? 
Let me give you a couple ways. A couple things to pray for that will ask God to help you in your area of faith. A couple things. Ask God for assurance. Ask God for assurance. Ask God that what you have given to God, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that God is able to keep. And you know God is, God is able to keep. Not just assurance, but ask God for provision. I pray this all the time. God, meet my needs. Meet my needs. Meet my needs. Listen, not meet my greed. Meet my need. There's a big difference between your need and your greed. God, meet my needs and please give me a new Lamborghini. Thank you so much. That's not your need. That's your greed. God promises to meet your needs, not your greed. Ask God to give you assurance. Ask God to give you provision. Listen, friend, ask God to give you protection. We need protection nowadays. The psalmist says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Unless the Lord is the one who's guarding and guiding us, then it's in vain nonetheless. I pray this verse almost every day for my family. Lord, protect my family. The kids are driving more. Elena got her permit two weeks ago. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Pray this almost every day for my family. Lord, protect my family. Protection. Also, direction. Direction. We need to know what God wants us to do. We need to know what God wants us to do. Psalm 32, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you or guide you with mine eye. I need God to guide. I need God to lead. I need God to direct. There's so many things in your life. There's so many things in my life always fighting to guide us, to lead us. There's no shortage of people who will tell you what they think you ought to do. How many of you have learned that already? All kinds of people love to tell you what they think you ought to do. No, no, no. What you need to do is you need to do what you know God wants you to do. That's the most important. People will lead you astray. Yes? And God will never lead you astray. God will never lead you astray. People will be happy to tell you, here's what you ought to do. And then when it doesn't go right, they'll go, I told you you shouldn't have done that. Right? No, no, God is faithful to us in that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We need to believe God. Christmas is a time for believing. But let me give you this last one. Christmas is a time for living. Christmas is a time for living. You know, some people, they're breathing, but they're not living. You know what I mean? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But listen, have everlasting life. Listen, friend, life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanisheth away. You aren't promised tomorrow and neither am I. I'm planning for tomorrow, of course. I'm planning for next year, of course. I got all kinds of things I want to accomplish in my life. I got all kinds of things I'd love to see happen. Of course, we're planning for this, but no one's promised this. Everyone thinks they're going to live forever. Everyone thinks they're going to live forever. Everyone thinks they're going to have more time. 
Listen, friend. Christmas is a time for living. Not simply breathing. Not just existing. Some of you, for the last year, you've just existed, but you haven't lived. You've breathed, but you haven't lived. You haven't spent your life. You haven't loved others. You haven't been living your life in service to God. You haven't been living your life in service to others. You've just shelled up. You've been afraid. You've listened to way too much news instead of listening to God and his word. Listen, Christmas is a time for living. Let us determine this Christmas that we're not simply going to, we're not simply going to spend our lives we're going to live them. We're going to live them. For him. For his own glory. For his own glory. And for his own praise. For his own glory. And for his own praise.